excited. I greet all of you in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Today's a good, good day. Praise the Lord. All right. Y'all want to update or y'all want me to just get on the message? Y'all don't want to hear about pastor, do you? <laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll do that. Um, um, pastor's doing good. His surgery went extraordinarily well, so well that the doctor came by and said it was textbook well, okay? And uh, he said it just was very simple and very easy going. And let me tell you the vision that I saw and was this. Y'all have heard of the Da Vinci, right? It's a robotic machine that actually performs surgery if you have not. I don't know if you guys know how it's done or, or anything about it, but... You walk into the surgery room, and I know this because I saw it in a vision. You walk into the surgery room, and there's like arms and things that's all pushed off to the side. And it comes in over the little gurney table, and it's just like there's just these big steel arms, okay, that actually comes in uh, to the patient. And then off to the side, a lot further than you would think you would want, is the place where the doctor sits and you, he sits behind a shield, at a uh, partition, and he puts his hands in the controllers. How many of you are thankful for this younger generation who's, who does these video games and such? I tell you what, they make the best doctors when it comes to Da Vinci. Our doctor was very young, by the way. He looked like he was about 10. <laughs> I'm serious. But he wasn't about 10. We were playing a guessing game, and I, I come up with 35, but... That might be pushing it, man, because I swear he looked about uh, like April's age or something. But anyway, um, they put their hands in these controllers, and through all this sophisticated, amazing screens and things, he actually goes in the arms. He moves the arms of the robotic system, and there's five ports, and they actually go in and cut and sever whatever they're after, Okay. So that's the way it works. So it was a funny thing because while, while that was happening, I saw the doctor sitting in behind that partition, and he, was, he had his hands on the, it's not control, controller joysticks like, but it's like gloves actually. And he had his hands in there, but he went to take his hands out to do this, and the robot was still going. And I don't know about you, but it, it just like made me, it just made me aware that God performs the surgery. Amen. Amen. Do y'all get that? Do y'all really get that? You know, we think that the surgeon's doing things, but God is the great physician. Amen. He is the one who controls all things. And that goes along with my message real good. And I didn't know I was going to share that with you guys, but it does show me how this kind of just flows together. So that's pretty cool. And I don't know what to do with my hands because I'm used to a microphone. So, you know, if I do this and not thinking, you know, I'm not lost it. It's just that for many years I've done this, and now I don't have anything to do with them. And me and Mike laugh because I do this a lot, and I was telling Margaret earlier, I said, so you might get double, hope not. But if, if we do, we do, and I'll work out all the hand motion here in a little bit. But really, um, it's kind of nice because when I do illustrated sermons, like something I'm going to do today... I'm hands-free, and that's pretty good because I'm hands-free. I can flip the pages on my notes so I can make sure I stay because Patrick wants me to stay with my notes. He likes it when I can stay in my outline. I sent him my outline, and Lord, help me to stay in that today if it's your will. But look at this, okay? So Pat's already let part of the cat out of the bag, 
but he missed the tail. I know he missed the tail because I didn't give it to him. So he comes out the door this morning. Y'all know Pat, he's behind the house. He rents the house behind us. And um, so here we have this stick. And the funny thing is, we're go- do y'all know that even pastors are disobedient? Did y'all know that? It sometimes we are, and I was last week, and I was out cutting the grass, and I picked up sticks. We've got these old persimmon trees. I don't know if y'all know anything about persimmon trees, but they got these branches. They break off continually. I ate them, okay? And, but the deer love them, and so I hadn't cut them down because we got a lot of deer, and they really like the, like the persimmons. But anyway, so I picked up this stick when I was cutting grass, and it was amazing. I mean, that thing was shaped just like Moses. Uh, staff and I thought man I need to hang on to that I might need that and I thought man I won't use that so I slung it off in Mike's truck and guess what God gives me a message about Moses now this really goes along with my message so maybe hindsight looking at it maybe it really is all God's will that I did throw away the stick because it really goes along with the message you'll understand when I get done but so I'm, I'm praying this morning, and I'm making a mess. But I'm praying this morning, and I ask God, I need another stick. And I thought, well, I'm going to walk out there under them persimmon trees. And I walked out the front yard. I did too far. And I walked out there and looked around. There wasn't nothing. I looked up in them thinking, Lord, you could make one of them drop. If you want me to do this, you're going to have to find me a stick. And so guess what? Nothing. There's nothing out there. Even if I found one, it wouldn't be as pretty as what he provided because, I mean, that thing was shaped just like, I mean, I kid you not. And so I walked away, and I thought, oh, well, I'll do it without it. I don't have to do an illustrated sermon. It's okay. And, Sherry, if you would continue to do that, that would be awesome. As much as you can get on it today, Pastor would love it. Okay, so, so here we are, and um, I'm trying to find a stick, right? And there's nothing, so I walk away. And God says, are you going to give up that easy? Don't you just love it when God speaks to you? Are you going to give up that easy? And how do you answer that? Yeah, God? No, no, I'm not going to give up that easy. What do I do? So I'm looking around the yard, and the rest of the yard's pretty clean. And I'm like, there's no stick. Okay, so I walk in, and I had on my long pants, and the grass is wet, and I'm walking around. And it's very difficult, okay, trying to find a stick at this point because... You know, it's the grass is wet. It's just not um, the right situation this morning. So anyway, I walk in. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just not use it. I'll, I'll go without it. And the Holy Spirit nudged me again. Go change your clothes, put on the right clothes, and hike down the hill. Are you kidding me, God? I didn't want to go to the back of the property. The back of the property where the, where the, the river is is straight down, but I know i got to come straight back up. Okay, I'm telling you, it's like the streets in San Francisco. Okay, I didn't want to make that hike this morning. So I did it anyway. Long short short, I changed my clothes because I didn't want my pants getting wet. I was going on a hike, and Max went with me. And he gets to the gate, and he wants to go on down, but the grass in the back lot hadn't been cut, and it's actually over Max. Max is a little small dog. So I said, no, Max, you can't go. And I shut the gate, and I hiked down to the lower lot, and I found this. And God spoke to me and he said, not as good as what you had, is it? I said, no, God, but thank you for providing it and forgive me for not being obedient in the first place. So why is that going to tie along 
with my message is simply this, and you'll get it when I start it. And that is, you know, guys, if we just do what we're supposed to do the first time around, God will provide a whole lot better, and you won't have to work so hard for it. See, I had to work really hard for this one. And it, wouldn't, and it really ain't worth all the effort compared to the other stick. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So I don't know how long I'm going to hold on to this thing. But I'm going to get started and I'm going to talk about Moses. How many people know what today's message is called? Or the series? If you look at Instagram, you might have saw it already or our Facebook page. Who has read that? Please somebody say you saw it. All right, there is a few here. Okay, so God is on your side. Isn't it good to know that God is on our side? I mean, really? I mean, I mean, if He's not on our side, it's not a good thing. Let me just say that because if God's not on your side, you're in trouble. Okay? All right, so the, the portion, it's going to be a four-week service. Today's, the Lord will, and the first, the first series here of this series is going to be called God Will Enable You. Say, God Will Enable You. Say, God will enable me. Do you believe that? Okay, if you don't, by the time I get through, you will. Okay, so how many daydreamers do I have in here? Does anybody daydream? Not everybody? I thought everybody daydreamed. Okay, so I guess we're about 90% of us in here who daydream. Okay, well, I'm a daydreamer, and I think about it. Now, y'all know I love to play the game, what if? Okay, so we're going to play it today. I need you guys to work with me for just about two minutes, and let's look at what if. Okay, so everybody shut their eyes. Okay, everybody's eyes shut. We can't play the what if game if your eyes is not shut. Everybody's eyes shut. Okay, touch your nose. Okay, I was just joking. Some of you are touching your eye. Okay, I couldn't help it. It was just funny doing that because, I, you know, anyway, you should have saw y'all. It was really hilarious. Okay, so anyway, let's just get back to what I'm talking about here. So everybody keep their eyes shut and pretend with me for just a moment. And I want you to think about what you would do if God asked you to do something and you did not hold back. Now, I'm not talking about just something, something. I'm talking about something for his kingdom. Okay, now while you're imagining what God would have you to do in your mind, there is is no lack of finances, there is no lack of skill, there is no lack of experience, your past failures are forgotten, you can accomplish anything. Your time is available, your money is available. Now what are you seeing in your mind? If you could do anything for God, what would you do? Now you don't have to go to work, you don't have to make money, you are a free bird. What would you do? Okay, think about that. Would you start, would you open an orphanage? Would you get on the mission field? I mean, would you be a bold witness maybe and you would hit the streets and just just be awesome for God? Would you preach? I mean, would you teach? Would you go to Bible college? What would you do if nothing was in your way? Go ahead and open your eyes. Now, we just played the what-if game. And I really like playing this what-if game. Because it lets me know that if I get self out of the way, what I can be. And so that's why you hear me, and, and I'll do this a lot, because I don't know what you saw in your mind, and I don't need to know. But maybe there's something that God's dealing with each and every one of us to do. But our excuses keep us from doing what God has called us to do. I mean, there's always an excuse. We're human. And we're going to find out that Moses had a sack full of excuses, but God still used him. Amen? How many of you know that God will still use us even if we have a sack full of 
of excuses. Okay, but God's not into our excuses. When we make an excuse, then we have, He will be faithful to perform it in you, but you might have to go at it the rough way, okay? You might have to track up that big old hill and get just the halfway stick where God actually laid your provision in front of you and you didn't pick it up. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? As we begin the series that God is on our side, I hope by the time I finish in the next four weeks, how important it really is to learn that God really wants what's best for each and every one of us. He does. He wants what's best. And here today, I'm going to talk about the story of Moses and how God will enable you and me, or you and I, for ministry. Yes. Well, you know, it's easy because you say, well, I know God's going to use you. You know, you've studied for No, 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 no. That's another excuse. God will use each and every one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you too. Because it does. Because it does. All right? So, because as long as we are relying on our own wisdom, okay, or our own self-worth, or, or, we, or we make excuses, excuses, we're not going to accomplish what God has us to accomplish. But see, God wants us to rely fully on Him, and that's the beautiful part of it. And we can learn from Moses and how God used through him, and, and we saw the power that God that God uh, did, okay? So it's really amazing. So let's, let's look at it. But before we do, I want to talk about uh, something D.L. Moody said. Okay, how many of you know who D.L. Moody is? If you've been in my Bible college classes, you know who D.L. Moody is. Okay, so D.L. Moody said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Moses spent another 40 years thinking he was nobody. And then he spent 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Come on, does that sound like you? Well, if it don't, it sounds like me. Okay, it's like you get to the age of 40 and even on 50. I, I don't know, from 40 to 50, I gained a whole lot of wisdom. But it's like you get all this wisdom and then you get too old to do anything about it, right? So it's like, um, like D.L. Moody said, that he spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Come on, we're not anybody but through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can do all things through him, but in our own self, we can do what? Nothing. Nothing. He empowers us to do all things. You know, breath is so, so vital. The Zoe breath of God. If, if he was to cut our breath off and our air went away, guess what? You would be dead in just a matter of an instant. Okay? And, that, and only God has that kind of control and power over each and every one of us. We are nobody. We really are. We're nobody, but we are somebody through the power of Jesus Christ. And as we get older, we realize that, and Moses did too. So, um, and I'm going to tell you, Moses learned that complaining cost him. So let's just look at all this as we break it open. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to take a lifetime learning a lesson when we can look from these great scholars, these men in the Bible, in Moses today, and learn from him because it took him a long time of wondering. How many of us are wondering? But it took Moses a long time just wandering around in the wilderness, right, before he finally got it. Okay? All right, so that's the way we are sometimes because we're too busy complaining about something. If you're guilty, I'm sorry. Put the shoes on. We'll get them off here in a minute. All right, so let's keep going. Number one, God will get your attention. 
God will get your attention. Now, isn't that something? Because God is about getting his will done. And no matter what kind of excuses we want to provide or, or use, God is still going to get uh, his will done through each and every one of us. Okay, so most likely you guys remember the story of Moses. But for some of us who might forget, because as I get older, I forget. I don't know about you guys. But the story of Moses goes, um, goes and it, it tells us the story about how he killed an Egyptian, okay? All right, so he killed this Egyptian, and the reason he killed the Egyptian is because he was mistreating slaves, all right? Well, I tell you what, mistreating slaves was wrong, but, you know, killing was wrong too. How many of you know two wrongs does not make a right, amen? So Moses had to flee for his life, and he settled down in Midian. Now, let me just tell you that if you're, if you're looking at the map, you've got Egypt over here, up above it is Canaan, and Median would be down here, okay? So when he said that they, when they brought them out of Egypt and they went up to Canaan, they really went up to Canaan, okay? So that'll kind of tell you what we're looking at if you're trying to visualize like I do. I like to visualize things, and, and that they went up to Canaan, but Median was kind of on the bottom end of things, okay? And he lived there uh, for many years. He married, does anybody know who Moses' wife was called? Zipporah, okay, and Zipporah's dad was the priest of Midian, okay, and um, an, an amazing thing happened to it. We're going to read about it over in Exodus 3, so go with me to 3, Exodus 3, 1 through 5, and let's get started, all right, and it says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flocks to the west side of the wilderness and came to Harob, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see the great sight why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So these are three particular things that I want us to grab from this uh, particular uh, verses. Number one, God will appear in the ordinary. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you have landscaping around your house, there's bushes that you pass every day and you don't notice them. You planted them a long time ago, and unless they're just growing uncontrollably, it might catch your attention. You pass by them every day and you may not actually see them, but guess what? God had this bush that was placed out there, and he passed, Moses passed by that bush maybe a lot, but this time it was different. It was an ordinary thing that become extraordinary. It become very extraordinary because God set it on fire. Now, I don't know about you, but if you left your house this morning and the bush that's on the corner, when you go out the door, you pass it a million times, and all of a sudden it's on fire, what would you think? Well, I would definitely stop and look, and I would probably be scared thinking, who set my bush on fire, right? Come on, I know I would. I wouldn't just keep on walking and say, oh, oh burning bush. Okay, would y'all? I mean, you're going you're gonna to do like Moses. You're going to want to peek around at it, and you're going to want to say, what in the world, right? Okay, so God will appear in, in, in the ordinary, and here with Moses, the ordinary was a bush. 
What could be more ordinary than a bush, by the way? I wonder how many times Moses actually even passed by. I mean, I wondered those things to you guys. But you know what? He sent an angel, God did, sent this angel to appear as a fire in that bush. And, it set, and the bush here is, is on, is on, is, it's flaming, okay? That's the best way to put it. It's flaming. Okay, so we figuratively, now, say figuratively, figuratively, God is always setting bushes on fire in our lives. See, the thing is, we don't see it. We don't understand it. You know, those, the, the figurative bush in your life could be a, another person. It could be an encounter that we come across. It could be a situation, an event. It could be a word from Him. The, these are all burning bushes that God is using in our life. But the problem is we're not seeing it. Okay? And you might say, well, how in the world can you not see a, a burning bush? Well, his, his was actually visual, but your burning bush may today be very figuratively. Okay? Which means that we're too blind to our own devices that we don't actually see what God's doing in our lives. He might be using that friend at work, or he might be using somebody to speak to us, a neighbor even. Even a heathen. I had a heathen one time. I'm telling you, a heathen who actually God used his mouth to speak a word for me. And immediately I knew I'd heard a rhema, God, a rhema word from God. And I took that even out of the mouth of uh, you know, out, out, of this, out of this heathen's mouth, I was able to get a word that God was trying to send to me. I've often wondered why he used a heathen to do it. But you know what? Even the Bible says that sometimes the rocks will even cry out because we won't. And see, maybe as Christians, we need to be more apt to give a word when God is telling us to give a word. Amen. Are you hearing me? Okay, so what is your burning bush? You know, your miracle is in the ordinary, guys. It's not in the, ex in, in the extraordinary. Did, did you hear what I'm saying? Your miracle is in the ordinary. And in the ordinary, we tend to want to make excuses. Okay? So God will present himself to you. He will. He presents Himself every day to us. You know, we can look out in the world and we can see the majesty of God and the beautiful trees and things like that that we take for granted in the air, the gravity, all of these things that goes on. Even the solar system is massive and beautiful as it is. God is all about all of that. Amen? He is that. He said that He formed the world. Okay, And with the span of his hand, he was able to do that. That's your God. That's how amazing and how big he is. But for some reason, we keep God in this small box thinking that God can't answer our prayers, that God can't do it for us. But I'm here to tell you today that God can and God will. Come on, somebody. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what problem it is. I don't know what your burning bush is. But I'm here to tell you that God can and God will. Amen? We just got to believe it. We just got to know it. And sometimes it may take a burning bush experience to get our attention, but I'm telling you that God can and God will. So we're talking about how God presents Himself to us. And there's a story about a man named John. And he, he, he uh, worked in Bible college. Boy, is that familiar. And so he was a teacher. And the amazing thing is he had these fellow students and um, his side job was he provided wedding invitations. 
And so periodically his students would order some wedding invitations from him as they needed them. It was very sporadic, but from time to time it would happen. And he was very surprised one day when the woman named Jill, who was uh, uh, in his class, she ordered some wedding invitations from him. And so he's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that Jill is ordering them because Jill had said that she would never get married. Have you, you know people like that? Oh, I ain't never going to get married. And then all of a sudden they do get married. Come on, never say never, amen. But the thing about Jill is there's something different. Jill had said that the only way that she would get married is if God spoke through a burning bush. Come on, I'm telling you what she was saying is it's going to have to take the impossible. How many of you know that our God works in the impossible? He takes the impossible and he makes things possible. Are you hearing me? Come on, that's our God. He's not halfway at nothing. Come on, we might be halfway at something, but he's not halfway at anything. Okay, so let me just tie the story up and it'll make sense. So here Jill is. She comes out of her dormitory and she walks out on a normal day. And then all of a sudden she passes the bush and it's on fire. And out of that bush, her fiancé was in another bush. And he was saying, Jill, Jill, I want you to marry Alan. Okay, well, I guess that's one way of getting it done, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Alan was very creative, and he knew that if he, he would have to propose to her like that or, or she would never get married. But my point is, God will present himself to you. Amen? And that's one way of getting somebody's attention, you know? And so God, the fact of the matter is, God is going to get our attention. All right? So if you're hearing a word from God, he will present himself to you. All right? Oh, somebody didn't hear me. Let me say it again. If you are open to hearing a word from God, He will present Himself to you. See, the thing is, we're not open to hearing a word from God. We get too busy, you know, we got our to-do list, and we're trying to work through that list, okay, if you're that type of personality. Or maybe you're the opposite personality. Maybe you're the type that just gets up, and you're so lackadaisical, you just go through your day, and what, what come may, right? And that's the way you deal with your day. It doesn't matter what type of personality you are. That's not the point. The point of the matter is that God will present himself to you if we will only get still and hear what God has for us. Moses said, I will turn aside to see the great sight why the bush is not burned. When then, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Okay, so here we got this, bu this bush, okay, and it's on fire. And he probably looks at it and he's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Why is this thing on fire? But what he does is he's, he looks around. Curious, I would be that way. Would y'all be that way? He looks around to see why it's burning and he says, stop. Okay, He didn't want him to look around. He said, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your shoes for your own holy ground. So anywhere God is present is holy ground. I don't care if it's here in church. This is holy ground. I don't care if it's in your car and God is present. It's holy ground. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It might be when you're in the shower. How many of you have good prayer times when you're in the shower? Uh-huh. Do you sing in there? The acoustics is kind of amazing, isn't it? I don't, know why, I don't know why it makes it so good, but it is. It even makes this bad girl sound good. Amen. Somebody say amen. I can sing in the shower when I can't sing nowhere else. Are you hearing me? But God said make a joyful noise, and it, you know he gets joy out of it whether nobody else could. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so here we are. 
that the point of the matter is we are on holy ground. And we need to reverence the fact that we are on holy ground. Okay, so it's time to show him, God, that we need the, to show him that reverence, to show him that respect that he deserves. Now, I'm not saying that you guys got to come in here and take your shoes off. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. And, and, you know, if God tells you to take your shoes off, do so. You notice I've got mine on. Amen? And I get that. But the point is, God has specifically given Moses a command to take his shoes off. The disobedience would have been if he didn't take his shoes off. Are you hearing me? But I think what we need to understand is when God is in the midst, we need to offer up some respect. And we need to listen to what He says. Okay? And we need to reverence what He says. We must always remember that the one to whom we speak is God. I'm not talking about you speaking to me. I'm talking about you speaking to God. Come on. He's God. We need to respect the fact and we need to listen and then we need to be obedient. Amen. If you believe me, say amen. Y'all too quiet. I, can't, I don't like it quiet. The more you shout amen, the more I'm going to preach. Amen. Oh, I get it. That's it, huh? Y'all ready to go eat? <laughs> I'm teasing. So let, let's get back to it. So number two, God will hear and act on your behalf. Do you know that God truly will hear you? Okay, now I know that the heavens may seem brass. And I know that you may have prayed about something for a long, long time. But He will hear and He will act on your behalf. See, many people think that, you know, their prayers is just bouncing off the ceiling and, and they get to a point to where they don't even want to pray and they stop praying. I'm going to tell you, the minute you stop praying is the minute trouble's going to come in your life. You never stop praying. You pray in the storm. You pray on the mountain. You pray in the valley. You pray when you, you're, everything is just going so great. You always pray. Amen. You pray and you praise. And I'm telling you, you can praise your way through a situation. You can pray your way out of a situation. But you know what? The first thing the enemy is going to tell you is God will not listen to your prayers because you're too this or too that. And he is a liar. The enemy is a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God said, I come to give you life, and that you might have life abundantly. And Lord, I'm telling you that He will provide abundant living for you if you would only ask. Come on. So God will hear, and God will act on your behalf. So let's return to the, the story here for just a minute, and you'll see what I mean. And He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now... If you've been through the blood covenant class, you know exactly what we're talking about here. Okay? All right? It's talking about the blessing and the promise because of the, the blessing and the covenant through Abraham. Amen? And that's what God is saying right here. I am. You know, you can just stop right there and preach a message on I am because he is. All right? I am. Okay? And he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Why did he hide his face? Because of the respect and the reverence. He knew. Amen? He knew. And he was afraid to look at God. Come on. I guess you would be too if God was coming through a burning bush. Amen? Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. 
Okay, come on, are you hearing what I'm saying here? You know God, you might feel like you're in Egypt, but God will deliver you, amen? I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezrites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Come on, there was a lot of ites over there, wasn't they? And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, here's the thing. Now, God is telling him all that he's going to do, but there's a prerequisite for it all. What was that? He tells him to go to Pharaoh... Okay, that alone is scary in itself. I mean, you know, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Well, who would be shaking in their shoes? I probably would have been in Moses' situation. Come on, but we, but God had said in a miraculous way, so there's no other way to, but to be obedient. Amen. I mean, if God speaks to you like that, wouldn't you run to whoever? Amen. I mean, you know, when it comes as a whisper, the first thing we want to do is say, well, that wasn't from God. That was, that's just me. Come on, y'all been guilty of that? Yeah. Come on, I have. And then I'll be like, well, I need to make sure that's you. Then I become giddy, and then I start laying out a fleece. Lord, you know, I, finally I've grown out of that. But in my early days, I would lay out a fleece. Lord, if you want me to do this, you'll do this. And, you, and then he'd do it. And then I'd say, well, that wasn't good enough. That was just by chance. So God, if you want me to do that, you'll do that. Have y'all been that way? And then finally, when you grow in God, you advance, okay? And then you begin to to hear the voice of God, and you move according to that voice. And it's a good thing because it makes your way easier. Remember my illustration about the stick? You could just pick up your abundance. You could pick up your provision, and you can run with it. But once you start making excuses, it becomes hard. You might have to go around for 40 years. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or you might have to go down that steep hill and back up that steep hill, amen, and just only get half of your provision. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, so look at this. He said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings. The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. So just as God is well aware of the situation over there with the Israelites, He is aware of what's going on in your life this very moment. Come on, somebody. You may think you're in the worst situation and nobody knows, but I'm telling you, God knows and God cares and He's still on the throne and Jesus is sitting right next to him making intercessions to the Father on your behalf. And the problem is that we make excuses why we can't even pray and ask. Are you hearing me? Okay? He knows it, folks. And if you're crying for help, he said he hears you. God knows. He understands and he empathizes in your situation. And he will act on your behalf. He will. Now, the thing is, you might say, well, he don't act on my behalf. Well, he will if you'll keep praying and you'll keep praising and you'll keep believing and you'll quit, quit making excuses. Because once these excuses come on board and once the doubt comes on board, then you might do a little wondering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so we read the phrase that God hears and understands. But think about this. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. 
Okay? So God wasn't like one of those people who listen to a problem and then does nothing about it. Y'all ever, ever asked for help and never got help? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. So in so many words, he says, I hear. Say, I hear. I understand. I understand. And I will act on your behalf. Okay? It is important to know and believe that. Say, God is on my side. Look at your neighbor and say, God is on your side. You know, guys, when you know that God is on your side and He is going to move on your behalf, you're going to see some amazing changes in your life. The enemy may start to whisper that, you know, and, and, and you might start even saying excuses. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll hold on, know that God can and God will. Okay? So here's the million-dollar question. What is going on in your life right now that you believe is keeping you from fulfilling your purpose in God's kingdom? That's the million-dollar question. That's about how much it's worth. That's a lot of money. Look at me and say, that's a lot of money. It sure is. Okay, so what is going on in your life right now that you are believing is keeping you from fulfilling your purpose in God's kingdom? You need to weigh on that. Okay? Are there troubles in your home? Are there troubles at work that's keeping you from being everything you could be? Well, then it's easy. Just let God know what it is. Well, God already knows what it is. I agree. But the Bible says to let your petitions, which is prayers, be known. We have to allow God to work. And to allow God to work means we need to ask. Come on. He's waiting on you to ask. He wants you to ask. Okay? All right? So maybe you've not felt that burning passion for God's kingdom that you once have. Maybe you need to get back. You know, the Bible talks about losing that first love. Okay? That's not your first boyfriend or girlfriend, by the way. Okay? He's talking about the first love, the day you got saved. Do you remember the day you got saved? If you forgot it, I'm worried about you. I tell you, I'll never forget the day I got saved. Never. Because it changed me so much. It was overpowering how I felt. You know, have we backslid? Yeah, we probably have. Should we backslide? No, should not. Can we make it right if we do? Absolutely. How do you do that? One prayer way. Ask it and believe it. And guess what? He makes it happen. He forgives. Come on. He puts you back in right standing, puts you back on his road. Okay? You sure don't want to take the detour. I took them many a times. Y'all ever had a GPS out of, out of sync? And it's sending you around the block and you're like, you end up about 500 yards down the road. And you're like, well, why did it send me all that way just to go right here? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. There's detours and detours aren't always good. We only detour when God says detour. Okay? So maybe there's something going on there. You know, maybe there's a physical pain that you have. Maybe a mental pain that you have. Maybe you suffer from depression. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you God does know and God will deliver. Amen? He's God and He's God all by Himself. Amen? And He's wanting to make that provision for us. So whatever your circumstances is, guys, God has the ability to hear. He has the ability to understand. And He will act on your behalf. I don't know about you, but that's a good feeling to know that I've got a God who is able and who is willing to make that happen. Come on. So what do I do? You pray. You tell God and then you expect results. 
See, it all boils down to prayer, the prayer life that you have with God. Knowing that he sees the suffering of his people, didn't he say that? He saw the Israelites and he saw and he said, I will deliver them. God will not allow you to stay in that suffering for very long. He expects us to come out of that, amen, and he wants us to and he will act. Number three, God will enable you to fulfill his purpose. God will enable you to fulfill His purpose. He didn't say your neighbor. He didn't say your husband or your spouse, did it? He said He will enable you. Now, I'm sure that Moses was like, well, you know, God, I sure wish that you'd just lay it on Pharaoh's heart to let him go. That would have been easier. Would that not have been easier? But a lot of times He wants us to take our staff or our standard. Come on. God said that he would raise a standard, amen. And maybe we just need to take our own staff, our own standard that God has given us. And you know, on a, on a, on a standard, that there's etched in things here. You know, and, and if this was a true one, there would be things etched in it. But you know, figuratively, I wonder what's etched in mine. Okay, salvation, I received Jesus Christ, amen. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. You know, memorials all up and down my staff. Remember David when he reminded God, you know, about the lion? Come on. Sometimes we need to remind God. We need to take our staff and we need to hold it out and say, you know, God, you delivered me here and you were able and I came through. You know, we need to be like David if we're in a place of zigzag. We need to go back to that place and we need to remind ourselves that God can and God will. But you might have to hold out your staff. You might have to hold out that standard and say, you know what? God can and God will. Amen? So God chose Moses to lead the people of Israel out. And he sent him to to, uh, Egypt. But Moses came up with an excuse after excuse after excuse why he couldn't do it. Now that just sounds like us, don't it? Have y'all ever had excuses why you couldn't do something God's telling you to do? Well, I got to do this, or I can't do this, or I need this, or blah, 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 blah. I mean, poor God. I bet he just hears all these excuses all day long. But in Exodus 4 and 1, it says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. How many of you have ever told somebody that, you know, God said or God gave me a dream? Or I, t- I, I tell you guys that all the time. But I wonder if there's ever anybody that's ever worried that they would be believed. You know, here Moses is wondering if he would be believed. So God performed a miracle and showed Moses how to turn his shepherd's staff. Come on, isn't it amazing how God just kept nudging Moses? He turned his shepherd's staff into a snake. Okay, so here Moses is. He's walking along, you know, life's way, just like we are, you know. And I can't do it, God. I, just, I can't. I, I know you told me that I need to go to the mission field, but God, I, I just can't. I don't have the money. It's too hard to raise the money. I don't like flying. I said, I, God, I said I'm never going to get on an airplane, okay? And I just cannot do that. And then all of a sudden, this turns into a snake, What's the first thing you're going to do? Ah! I would. I don't like snakes. Okay? So you got a wiggling snake right here, right? 
Okay, do you think he's got his attention? He sure would have my attention. Okay, now if God had called me to the mission field and I'm sitting here making excuses and God turns my staff, which means everything in my life that God has delivered me from, turns it into a snake, what would I do? What would you do? Well, I'm going to tell you what I'd do. I'd go to the mission field. Okay? I really would. I wouldn't, I, I, I'm being honest. I would do it. I mean, God has performed a miracle. But you know what? The most beautiful thing is that God speak it and you go. That he don't have to turn it into a snake. Amen? But we're talking about Moses here. So he turned it into a snake. And then, just like that didn't work, I don't know. I, I, y'all, y'all figure Moses out. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. His hand becomes leprous. Leprosy. Nobody wanted leprosy back then. Why? Because they were taken to a camp. They were put in confinement. People made fun of people who were, had leprosy. And all of a sudden now he's got leprosy all over his hand. But then God heals it that instant. God is God all by himself. Amen. And so he's nudging Moses and showing Moses that he's God. So God turns his stick into a snake. And then he makes his hand leprous and he heals it. Okay, that's three miracles, bam, bam, bam. And you would think by then that Moses would be convinced, right? I mean, would you not think that? By three different occasions, you would think God, Moses would literally be, no, wrong, say wrong. Okay, look at 4 and 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not elegant. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. I'm in Exodus 4 and 10. Can you believe this? Another excuse? After all of this? Another excuse? But God always has a way of getting us to do what He needs us to do. So God replied, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? (laughs) Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Okay, no, he just turned his staff into a snake. His hand is leprous, and he healed it to show him that he could heal his mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is going to get good here in just a minute. Okay? All right? But what does he do? Is it not I, the Lord? He's reminded him, I'm God. I can do all things. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Okay? Now get this, Moses said again, he pleaded with God to remove him from the responsibility. He's still doubting. He's still making excuses. What's wrong with him? He must have jello for a brain. Come on. But guys, really? Haven't we done that too? Haven't we made excuse after excuse after excuse? Has, have you guys not been miraculously healed before? Has God not healed you of a stomach bug or maybe a headache? Or God has, when you couldn't pay your bills, God made a way, amen? We're no different than Moses. We just need to go back to those things like David said. Go back and remind ourselves when we're in a zigzag position and we need to take hold of what God has done and remind ourselves that he can and he will. He's got all by himself. He's able and he'll do it for you. Amen? So sometimes you just need to pick up your staff, okay, before God has to turn it into a snake experience in your life. Come on, are you hearing me? Take hold of that staff, remind yourself of what God has done, and go forward. 
Come on. If not, there's going to be a snaky experience to come along in your life, and God is going to get your attention in a way that might not be so good. Come on. So true. So this is it. So God allowed Moses' brother, Aaron, to become the mouthpiece through whom Moses would speak. And this is the most revelatory thing I'm going to give you right here. So don't miss it. Don't wonder in your mind. Listen to this right here. This is how excuses rob you. He sent Aaron, his brother, to be his mouthpiece, but God would have done it through Moses' mouth. So because he made excuses and he took the lesser, remember me and my stick? Because he took the lesser, he sent Aaron to help him accomplish the task that he meant for him to do no matter what. Okay, now wouldn't it have been easier if he didn't have to haul around Aaron? Wouldn't it have been easier if he could speak plain because God showed him, I give you leprosy and I healed it. That instant. And he still doubted. Okay, he still made excuses. He still had to do what God told him to do. But what if he would have reminded himself, yep, God, you was there through that. Yep, God, you healed me from cancer. Yes, God, after the cancer, you set me on fire. And then, Lord, you just I burned up the streets for you, God. And, and yeah, I might have got away right here. But y'all know what I'm talking about. But he still made excuses. So God didn't heal his mouth. He sent Aaron. Come on. How easy it would have been not to be stuttering all the time. See, think about this. I see a lot of us in Moses. I do. It's just human nature. It happened since Adam. You know? They go and hide themselves. and You know? It's been there since, since the beginning. So don't feel bad if you do that because we all have probably at one time or another. But my point is, what I want you to get out of this today is I don't want you to be that anymore. I don't want you to give God excuses because it's, it, we still have to do what God wants us to do, but we're going to do it a little handicapped. Or we're going to do it a little harder than what we could have done it if we would have moved immediately. Excuses after excuses after excuses and when God gives a clear command. But you know what? God will meet our excuses every time and give us whatever tools that you need to accomplish what He's calling you to do. I don't care what your mind's telling you. I don't care. It's, it's the enemy whispering. Okay? Why do you think God will take no for an answer? Why do you think that? Because He wants you to be the best you that you can be. He knows better than we know. He knows you better than... He, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He knows you better than you know you. And so he continues to push you and show you and me because he fully intends for his will to be done. Okay? So whether it's money, whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's manpower, anything else, God has a rich supply of everything that you could possibly want, dream or imagine in His kingdom, and He will get it accomplished. And guess what? God will enable you and me for service. Amen? So consider this promise God made to you. Go with me over to Hebrews in 12, 20 and 21, and it says this, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So there, there it is in the Scripture. So notice here, as well as in the story of Moses, that God is the one who is doing the equipping and the enabling. He is. God is the one who gives us the ability to fulfill His will. You know, it's not us. You know, it's all Him. In other words, it doesn't depend on you. And I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off me. Because if I think it's all me and I have to achieve it, then I have to plan it out and it becomes cumbersome and it becomes a problem and it becomes something that I feel like I'll fail at because I might fail. But I'm telling you that it's not your problem. It's God's. He will enable, He will equip it, and He will provide. And as long as you see it that way, you'll understand that it's going to happen. He will make the way. Okay? He will make the way. God wants our service and He wants our obedience. He is the one who gives us the ability to get it done. Amen? All He needs is willing vessels. That's it. You know, you might take 40 years before you get it, but you will get it. You might wander the hard way for 40 years, but you will get there. Okay? I don't know about you, but I don't want to wander 40 years because it's 40 years that I could have done faithful service to God while I'm off in the wilderness doing my own thing. Are you hearing me? So in conclusion, I want to say this. I'm going to bring some things home right now. And that's this. You know, they told me I need to start doing a so what. You know, you know when we we're doing this program, and I love it because the preacher was saying that when you deliver a message, you need to be able to say, so what? There's been a lot of so what's in this message. There's been a lot of application in this message if you'll take it home today. But just in case you might have missed a few, I'm going to reiterate and I'm going to make sure that we all get the so what. And that is this. There are several take-homes and this is number one. God is present in the ordinary. Your ordinary is not going to be a flaming bush, more than likely, but your ordinary will be something that surrounds you that God uses to get your attention. Okay? It could be an acquaintance, anything. Number two, God hears and understands whatever situation you find yourself in. He just wants us to ask, guys. That's all He wants. God hears and understands, but we have to pray. We have to ask Him. Okay? We can't do it on our own, but God. Y'all say, but God. But God. Come on, say it again. But God. Okay? He needs you, a willing vessel to do what He has asked you to do. And here's the biggie. Number four. God starts solving our problems when we quit making excuses. God starts solving our problems when we quit making excuses. Okay? So don't allow that out of your mouth anymore. Don't let no be your first response. Y'all ever know people like that? You ask them, nope. I don't even think they hear it before they give you the no. Come on, don't say no. Don't say no. What if everything that you said become a yes? Not only to God, but to your friends, your family. You know, now I'm not saying do yes and do something disobedient. That's not what I'm talking about. You say no to that. But I'm talking about being no to God's will. Not being no to God's will. Being yes to God's will. Being no to what the enemy tells you to do. 
Okay, so God starts solving our problems when we quit making excuses. No more excuses. So try to make a point today not to let no be your first response. Think about that. Or I can't. Or I don't want to. Come on. What about I will try? I'll try to make it happen. You know, if somebody asks you something, I'll try to make that happen today. And then, and then do. Try to make it happen. You'll find out you can do it. And then all those other things that you had on your list to do. Like Moses, he didn't want to do it because he felt like he couldn't talk plain. Okay? Excuses. Say excuses. God don't care nothing about our excuses. He don't care. He just wants you to do his will. You've each got something that you need to do for God. And he don't care nothing about your excuse and he don't care nothing about mine. So maybe you feel like th- that because of that, that, you know, kind of gets you off the, off the plank, you know. People give an excuse and think it's okay. Oh, I got to do this so I can't do that. That don't get you off the plank, okay? It really don't. All right? It's just going to delay you. Delay you in your blessing, delay you in a lot of things. Okay? So what if God struck us with an illness to get our attention? Or allowed an illness. I won't say God struck it because that's not right. But what about God allowing something to come upon you where there is a protection? What if he lowered that protection a little bit because we are making excuses? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? He's God, folks, and he's God all by himself. And I want to, you know, and I say that, and you, you guys don't get the concept of it, and I'm going to share this with you, and I'm going to sit down because I'm done. I really am. But, and, and I want to show you how big God is. I could tell you he made this earth in six days, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. He rested on seven. We know that. We learned that. And we, yeah, okay, let me show you this. Put up the solar system, if you would, Patrick. Now, you guys might have remembered this when we were in school, okay? Y'all remember studying the planets? Does anybody in here doubt that they're out there? Do you doubt it? Even though you haven't seen them physically with your own eye, do you doubt that they're there? I don't doubt it. Earth is there. It's big. We're on it. We're rotating around the sun. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. This huge earth that we're on. You know, we could just start traveling. I remember when we was going through Nevada, and it was just a flat land, and my gosh, I didn't think we was ever going to get off that road. There was nothing out there. I see how big God's earth is. But not only there's Earth, you've got Jupiter, Mercury, Neptune, Venus, you've got Uranus, you've got the Sun, Saturn, Mars, did I, did I forget any? They're all huge planets. And the amazing thing is they talk about how little Pluto is, but Pluto is so big. They call it the dwarf planet. Why do they call it the dwarf planet when it's 1,473 miles? Okay? It's two-thirds the size of the moon that you look at. There ain't nothing small about that. But it's smaller in comparison. The earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. 93 million miles away from the sun. I don't get that. Can you fathom that in your brain? I can't. The earth is 24,874 miles from pole to pole. That's the earth. And you see the earth is not the biggest one, which is, who is the biggest one? Jupiter. It's 11 times bigger than Earth. It is the largest. Uh, Saturn is nine times bigger than Earth. God created and formed them. And you know what, guys? These are the ones we've discovered. We have no clue what else is out there in that big void. Remember in Genesis? Y'all read in Genesis where there was a void and God with the span of his hand created all that? 
Oh my goodness, God can and He will. And we think that God won't answer our prayers. He will. When we stop making excuses, when we stop complaining, when we stop saying that it's never going to happen, okay? That, you know why it's never going to happen? We're having to circle for 40 years. So take this home with you today. No more excuses. Try to say yes. Let that be your first response always when it comes to God. Yes to God. Yes to a co-worker. Maybe yes to a friend. Maybe yes to a pastor. Maybe yes to a sister. Maybe yes to a brother, uh, to a mom, to a dad, to a neighbor. doesn't matter. Yes, yes, yes. No no's. No no's when it comes to God's will. Take it out of your vocabulary. No more excuses because we have found out that we're going to have to do it anyway, right? And if we're going to have to do it anyway, we might as well do it when it's best provided for, when it's easier, okay? God will definitely bless. Yes is where the blessing is, okay? Yes is where the blessing is.